Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is the place to connect to who you truly are. We're bringing PhDs, experts, and leaders to help you elevate your mindset in your work life and in your love life so that you can see things differently and truly love your world. I'm Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, author, and TEDx speechwriter and booker, and I'm excited to bring you in to this week's episode. What's going on, U-Turn friends? It's been a minute since I've recorded on the podcast, and I thought, who better to get back at it with than Nick Sonnenberg? So if you don't know who he is, he's a friend, and he's an entrepreneur, he's an Inc. columnist, he's a guest lecturer at Columbia in New York, and he has a new book out now called Come Up for Air, How Teams Can Leverage Systems and Tools to Stop Drowning at Work. And he's also the founder and CEO of a company called Leverage, um, which is a leading operational efficiency consultancy. It really helps companies implement, and I love this, it's called his CPR, Business Efficiency Framework. This is just a culmination of his perspective on the value of time, efficiency, automation. That really comes from eight years that he spent working as a trader on Wall Street. And CPR stands for Communication, Planning, and Resources. Um, And his framework really results in a lot more output, less stress, happier employees, which is huge right now. We see so many employees running for the hills. Um, So if you're one of them, um, hopefully your company has this. And Nick's team uh, and him, he's he's worked with organizations of all sizes across all industries, um, from high growth startups to the Fortune 10. And I want to talk about this idea of drowning at work and how can we start to freaking come up for air. I never, I don't know if I really like kind of give myself props or anything for this, but I I don't really work m- much. Um, I put a lot of time in the podcast. I have some private clients. And then those of you in my courses and reading my book, it means so much to me that I have air and I want that for you. I want that for whatever version it is. So without further ado, Nick, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And I want to be like you when I grow up. Oh my God. I know we talk about that. Like clearly you wrote a book about coming up for air because you've had a moment in your life where you had no air. Um, so I've <laughs> got all the, yeah. Um, so, okay. Like I know you put a lot into this book and it sounds like an obvious thing to say, but we have a lot of friends who have written books and sometimes they don't put a lot into their book. It's like they have their other people writing it or, or something like that you put a lot into this book. So tell me a little bit about no your story. I know we come from the same place pretty much in California, which is so weird. Same high school, like so bizarre. Um, I know just weird times, but random how paths just randomly cross like decades later. I know. I know. And we run into each other. Fun fact in multiple cities randomly every couple of years. So, um, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about like what got you to write this book about coming up for air. So, so I like what you were saying before. Like I, I spent four years writing this book, and I guess different authors have different intentions and goals, right? And mine was to have an impactful book that's really a contribution to business literature that's going to stand the test of time, and even in 10 years, people are still talking about it, um, and it's considered a business classic. When you think about business books um, or even personal productivity books, there's really nothing on the market around how a, a team or an organization at large could be efficient. And now with this influx 
of all this new new ways of working, new tools, remote, et cetera, I felt like the world really needed um, some content out there to help them navigate how to work in this day and age. And when you hire an employee, they you get you get an employee manual about insurance or vacation days, and maybe if you're lucky, an org chart and the core values. But you're not given any manual on like, how do you actually collaborate here? You know, hey, we use Slack, we use Asana, we use these tools, and this is how and when we use it here. There's no training whatsoever. You kind of just get thrown in the deep end. And before you know it, you've got all these projects and you've never actually been trained on how to actually collaborate with each other. And it's kind of crazy and wild when you think about, you probably use all these tools 40 plus hours a week and there's literally zero training on it. So I want this book to be the employee manual that you never got. And um, it's like speaking a new language. Hmm. Now, if you rewind a handful of years, I wrote the book because, to, as you pointed out, I know firsthand what it's like to be drowning in work. Yeah, uh, I think I we... met you when you were drowning, like yeah. years ago. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when I started the company, we weren't you know, a leading operational efficiency training and consulting company. We actually started off as a freelancer marketplace, and we were doing tasks and projects for people. Um, and we grew really quickly to the outside world. We had this tremendous success and you'll get this, you know, uh, people really get impressed with what's your revenue, what's your team size, how big is your email list? Like all these things that in a large part are just vanity metrics. So like we, we yeah. had all that covered in the first year we hit seven figures in revenue, 150 people on the team. Um, and you know, to a lot of people that was impressive under the hood though, we, we had a lot of issues. Um, for example, the org chart was just two of us, myself, and I was the behind the scenes guy. And then I had a business partner that was front facing. So literally no clients or team members knew who I was. Um, we had three quarters of a million dollars in debt and we were losing about half a million dollars a year. And so we had figured out some, some stuff, but we had not figured out some fundamental other things. And one day we're having coffee, my business partner and I, and he taps me on the shoulder and he, he tells me he's out not giving me two weeks or two days. He's out in literally two minutes. And, you know, I go white and I'm thinking to myself, holy crap, like we could go bankrupt here. And it was tough. In like a three-month period after that, um, we lost about 40% of revenue. Um, I was cashing out my 401k, bank accounts getting frozen. My dad's taking a second mortgage on, on his house to loan us money for payroll. Um, at that point when, you know, literally maybe five people even knew who I was. So like team members were like, who the hell do we even talk to? I mean, we made some pretty, pretty big mistakes and I had to decide, do I stick it out or just bankrupt the company? And most people thought we should just bankrupt, but I could see a path to turning things around. I could see where we were tripping over ourselves. And that's the genesis of this framework that I discuss in, in my book. Um, the CPR framework, and it's the core framework that we're now doing training and consulting on. And so I started realizing we were tripping over ourselves, and it was we were wasting a ton of time with communication. It was just all over the place. There was text, there was email, there were Slack messages. We needed to kind of streamline that because it was like really hard to get anything done. Um, then I realized it was really hard to know who's working on what. Where, you know, what are the priorities right now with the tasks and the projects? So I call that planning. That's the P of CPR. So you got communications, the C, P is planning. And then, you know, I, we really needed to get our SOPs and processes in order. That's what I call resources. And we were already quite good with that. Um, 
But I kind of, it just forced me to start realizing like those are the three buckets that we need to focus on to get more efficient. And very quickly, we started turning things around simultaneously just through word of mouth. And mind you, we were doing, we were a freelancer marketplace. So I wasn't trying to do consulting, but people started reaching out, asking, asking me to help them with their systems and operations. So, you know, like Tony Robbins, Poopery, Ethereum, like other other interesting companies just started reaching out, asking me to train them and their teams on how to be more efficient and this CPR framework. And I just started seeing this pattern that it didn't matter if you were a poop spray, a cryptocurrency, a world famous coach, everyone needs to communicate with people internally and externally. Everyone needs to manage their tasks and projects. There's work that needs to get done. And everyone has intellectual property and stuff that needs to be stored. And so, uh, I had this kind of light bulb moment where it's like, hey, I actually care more about how the company operates than, you know, delivering like freelancer marketplace services. And that like, when when you stop and think about it, Slack, Asana, all these tools are are less than 10 years old. It's no wonder why people just have no idea when to use that and how to use that versus text and email and things. So the light bulb kind of went off and I was like, we should just do a big pivot and just put everything into training and consulting teams on this stuff because we were seeing over a bit a full business day back per employee in each of those companies and we we're like man like this is actually really niche really valuable no one else is really doing it and we we're able to give back over a full business day per employee i mean it could be it, we were saving millions or tens of millions of dollars um quite literally for these people so yeah that was the pivot and uh, ultimately decided to write a book because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get the message and the content out to a, a mass audience. My friend, are you ready to stay hydrated this summer? I have something for you. Grapefruit salt from Element. It's L-M-N-T because healthy hydration isn't just about drinking water. It's about water and electrolytes. It makes sense. You lose both water and sodium when you sweat, and both of those need to be replaced to prevent muscle cramps, headaches, energy dips throughout the day. But most people only replace the water. So why is that? Well, since the 1940s, we've been told to drink eight glasses of water per day, thirsty or not. But drinking beyond your thirst is a bad idea. It actually dilutes your blood electrolyte levels, especially sodium, which leads to headaches, low energy, cramps, confusion, or worse. So this low sodium situation called hyponatremia is super common among endurance athletes. And the solution is not to stop drinking water either. It's to drink water with electrolytes. That is where LMNT, my favorite brand for electrolytes, has you covered. So former research biochemist Rob Wolf and Keto Gains co-founder Louis Villasenor formulated Element to provide the optimal ratios of sodium, potassium, and magnesium for health, performance, and energy. They also formulated Element to please your palate. It tastes so good. Try orange salt, citrus salt, watermelon salt, or you can experiment with five other flavors like this summer's grapefruit. I even like to put Element's chocolate flavor into my coffee in the morning sometimes. So Element just gave us a really fun offer. All you have to go do is head on over to drinkelement.com slash Ashley Stahl. That's D-R-I-N-K. L-M-N-T dot com slash A-S-H-L-E-Y 
S-T-A-H-L to receive a free sample pack of every flavor with your first purchase. My personal favorite is the watermelon and the lime. Again, that's drinkelement.com slash Ashley Stahl. Your salty little summer starts now. Okay, so one of the things that I love about you, Nick, is that you're kind of tackling like for your your for those of you who don't know Nick, he's incredibly smart. He plays chess in the park in New York all the time, just for shits and giggles. Like you're <laughs> constantly using and exercising your brain. You're a very strategic thinker. Um, for a lot of people, those sorts of details and being detail oriented and getting into logistics and getting into systems can make their brain shut off. Like for me, example, me for example, I'm more of a poet and an artist, so. When you say the word systems, it's like my body goes into the chills because I'm like, holy shit, that's like my worst nightmare. And gratefully, I have people that help me with that. Shout out to you, Kirsten and Todd and all of you on the team. But I know for a lot of entrepreneurs listening, they need systems. They're maybe not at the place in revenue where it makes sense for them to lean into delegating that. They need to figure it out. Um, what are some low-hanging fruit wins that if you didn't write your book and you were just sitting down with someone who was listening and, you know, who could just say, hey, this is going to help you you so much, like figure it out if you had to kind of just narrow it down. Because I know there's so many gems in your book. For sure. And just to be clear, I don't actually rec- – I don't suggest outsourcing this stuff. Like you can read the book. We offer trainings. Like this needs to be though something internally – you as a business or a team, it doesn't matter if you're even a solopreneur, this needs to be something that internally you you adopt. And then, you know, if you need support, there's ways to get support, but you can't outsource your operations. You know, you, you need to, you need to have internal champions. Some of the, the quick wins that everyone can, um, can get. Um, and I talk about this in the book, getting to inbox zero, getting a grip on your email. You might not have ever heard of some of these things that I'm talking about, like Slack, Asana, Notion. Everyone uses Gmail or Outlook to do business. So if you just learned how to use your email properly, right? Where And it starts with when, you know, when should you use email versus other things, right? Um, just getting a grip on that, we see you could save about three to five hours a week. It's one yeah. of the quickest just like you have return on investment, you have return on time. It's one of the mm-hmm. highest return on time activities that you can do. And quite literally, like when we work with people, it takes maybe three hours. It doesn't matter. Like I've done this with people with hundreds, hundreds of thousands of emails. So if you're listening, you think you have your 37,000 emails is like unique. Like, trust me, people with hundreds of thousands can get to zero in quite literally hours. And it's not just getting to zero, it's staying to zero. And the benefits of that, it's one, it's you're saving the three to five hours a week. So if you invest, if it takes, say, three hours of investment, and now for the rest of your life, you're saving three hours in perpetuity, like what better return on time can you, like literally there's like almost nothing in the world that you can find that's going to yield a better, a better return. And time is money. So, I mean, just translate it to your hourly rate. Like it, that's, that's a no brainer. It's not just the time savings, it's also de-stress, um, de-stressing, like email is a big source of stress and overwhelm. And so once you get a grip on that, your stress levels go down. Um, and not to mention, you'll just miss less opportunities. Everyone that my team's work works with in um, the, the Inbox Zero trainings, 
every single time something pops up where we have to stop and the client will say, sorry, I just need five minutes. I can't believe I missed this. This is like $10,000 uh, mm. that I, that I, that just slipped through the cracks. So there's less stuff that slips through the cracks. Mm. The other thing that you can do right now is optimize how you run meetings. Mm. Everyone has meetings and nobody is running meetings properly. So there's a handful of, and meetings is probably one of the other major costs. If you think about the cost, the, your investment in meetings each year, it's staggering. Like every meeting has a cost. Say your time is $100 an hour and your team member's time is $50 an hour. If you're on an hour call, that's a $150 call. You know, and if there's four people, six people, which is often the case, like this is multiple hundreds of dollars of human capital investment that's happening. So think about every meeting with a cost. Think about everyone's hourly rate. If you don't know it, take their salary, divide it by roughly 2,000 hours um, in a year. So simple math, if it's $100,000 an hour person, divide that by 2,000, it's $50 an hour, that person, plus or minus. Mm-hmm. So if that person if that person does an hour long call, it's a fifty it's fifty dollars. Um, so you know the things that you can do is reduce the number of people, reduce the frequency, um, reduce the length of meetings, um, and a lot of oftentimes you could just cancel meetings. They could be done asynchronously. That's what um, I love meetings- too. It's like that meme that's out there. That's like, could this have been an email? And and then we go back to yeah. the emails. Um, you, I kind of, I don't know if I missed this and then we could just edit this out if I did, but did you say a software that you use for the email? I personally use Sanebox and have you ever used them before, Nick? I just use native Gmail or Outlook and we have a pretty solid framework called RAD, Reply, Archive, Defer. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if you follow that framework, you apply the right settings in your Gmail or your Outlook, you don't need any third-party tools. Okay, that's super useful to know. And then yeah. as far as meetings go, do you have any mm-hmm. tips for people who want to be a top performer in a meeting? So there's one piece of the puzzle, which is please have less meetings, please be more effective in meetings. And I know efficiency comes with discipline. It comes with being really clear on what you're going to do. It comes with intention. Um, what are some things that you're seeing star performers do in your company, in your clients? Yeah that make the most out of the meetings they're having? So you need to have an agenda. We Mm -hmm. have a policy, no agenda, no meeting. Um, We really recommend a company called Fellow App. You could go crazy with tools, but that something like agendas, like everyone has meetings. So having like a really robust way for people to add talking points to meetings, not only will it keep the meeting centered and focused so that you achieve what you need to achieve, But your brain is for having ideas, not holding ideas. And all the noise that's currently happening in your communications tools, text, email, Slack, oftentimes you could cut 90% of that noise out intraday by giving them a place to put those talking points and then you batch cover a whole bunch of things. So that's another huge opportunity to save time is you give people a centralized agenda tool and you, you have a policy. One no agenda, no meeting. Policy two, if something is not urgent and can wait till next week's meeting, add it to the agenda. Don't bother your colleagues. Yeah. Now, a third thing that you can do too, we talked about reducing the length of a a meeting. 
if if in a meeting you're doing something where there's a report out and someone's just sharing their screen and talking at you about the marketing numbers of March for 15 minutes, that doesn't need to be live in a call. If it's a report out, that could be pre-recorded and sent to everyone and they can watch it on their own time, right? Meetings, the purpose of a meeting should be to collaborate, right? So it should be back and forth, brainstorming. It shouldn't be one person talking at you, sharing their screen. Record that and reduce the length of time in that meeting. Why that's important is because it's not just about saving time, it's about optimizing time. Time isn't all worth the same. Your calendar is more like a heat map. So when we talked about $100 an hour as an example, it's not that every time slot in your calendar is worth the $100 an hour if that's your hourly rate on average, right? When we talk about hourly rates, that's a blended average, right? But in reality, your brain is sharper at different times of the day. You have different levels of horsepower. 9 a.m. on a Monday after a relaxing weekend and you just woke up and you meditated and you journaled and you worked out or whatever you like to do, your brain could be firing on all cylinders. That might be worth $500 an hour to you, that time slot, right? You're an artist, right? Like when you're in flow doing your poetry or, or any of the stuff that's really in your unique ability and you've kind of set up the mindset and the environment and you've done everything to kind of get your, your brain into a certain mode, that could be worth 10 or 100 times more than on a Friday at seven in the back of an Uber and you're tired from the whole week and you don't have your laptop with you, that might be worth $20 an hour to you, right? So it's not just about saving time, it's about optimizing time. And, and if you can reduce the length of meetings at high value time slots, have people pre-record you video, and then during lower value time slots, like when you're in the back of an Uber, go and watch that 10 minute video when you've got nothing else to do, that's a huge win that everyone can do. There's really no excuse that people don't adopt those two strategies right now. Mm, I love that. And I know that a lot of people who are younger workers, they might not feel like they're in a position to say, hey, can you can this be an email and not a meeting? Um, and they're just wanting to perform. I was looking, you know, just at the book and um, you talk a lot about systems. So this is, it sounds like a great system. It's like, can this be a quick video? Can you implement if you're a manager, mid-level manager, a policy with your team around video? Um, you also talk about tools. So I'm curious from a technology standpoint, what are some of your favorite tools? Because I feel like I've been slacked into oblivion and it's not to say that it's not an amazing tool, um, but I would just love to understand a little bit about what ones you're really using and which ones feel like they're very easy for people to understand. So look, we all have personal preference and pe people are always coming to me, um, you know, as the operational efficiency guy, like what's, what's better, Asana or Monday or Gmail or Outlook? And of course we all have personal preference and there are some minor differences. The most important thing though, is that you have a tool for each of the categories that I'm talking about, CPNR. You have communication tools, and it's important that you separate. Personal communication should be something like text um, or WhatsApp. External should be your email, Gmail or Outlook. And then internal should be Microsoft Teams or Slack, mm -hmm. right? The most important thing is that you understand when to use each of the different tools and then how you use the tools. Whether it's Gmail or Outlook, Microsoft Teams or Slack, Asana or Monday, that's really a sec like second order to 
do you understand when to use each of these tools? Mm -hmm. um, right? So you need to have email. You need to, you should have an internal communications tool. So you should have Slack or Teams. Uh, you should have some type of work management tool. We, so at Leverage, we use Gmail for external communication. We use Slack for internal communication. We use Asana for our work management. We use Coda in resources for our knowledge base. We use Coda to document kind of like our company wiki. Um, we use Process Street to document our processes. I mean, we, we, we have quite a lot of tools, so I don't want it to come off and overwhelm people because like if you're starting at zero, you don't need you don't need to worry about getting all 10. You know, it's most important to get one at a time. But if I'm if I kind of extend it to stuff beyond CPR, we have a CRM. We use HubSpot. Most mm -hmm. businesses should probably have a CRM. Mm -hmm. We use for the asynchronous, like we were talking about, how you could reduce the length of a meeting and um, you know, send people some type of video. We use Loom for that. So oftentimes if something's kind of going to be too annoying to type out and you want to share your screen, Loom is great. You hit a button, it records your face, your screen, or both. I could give a five-minute recording like, hey, why are we doing this in social media? Take a look at this. Stuff that would be just really hard to, to talk through mm -hmm. uh, over, over written. Mm -hmm. um, what else? We use Fellow App for meeting um, agendas. We use 15.5 for our uh, employee recognition and performance reviews. We use Rippling for our HRIS system. But again, you can go crazy with these things. Like we yeah. probably use like 20 tools like quite heavily, but we didn't start with that. We really like perfected one at a time because you only get value out of any of these things if you're using it properly. Where properly is how you use it, but more importantly, when you use it. Right. And I want to also ask you about um, kind of going back to meetings. You talked about, I know your book has four different ways to optimize meetings, and I want to make sure we covered all four. You talked about videos. What were the other key points just for the note takers to make sure that I'm on board with the ways that you would say to optimize, just to summarize? Well, does it need to have so many people, right? <laughs> yeah. Every person is a cost. Does it need to be as long as it is? Right. Mm -hmm. Could you reduce the length of a meeting and shift part of what needed to be covered to a Loom video, for example? Um, does it need to be as frequent? You know, sometimes there's weekly meetings because uh, could those be biweekly? Could those be monthly? And then the last thing is, does it even need to be a meeting at all? Could the whole thing just be covered purely asynchronously? Mm. Okay. I love this so much. This has been so useful. And I, I also was just looking at, you know, how many employees do scavenger hunts trying to find information. You were talking about when your company wasn't doing well, like people couldn't even figure out who to talk to. Um, what are some of your favorite ways to just prevent people from being in a position to say, like, I don't know who to go to for that. I don't know where to find that information. Um, is there some sort of I have a, my own tool in my business, like I have a right hand. And so I don't get anything that comes to me. It always goes through her. But I'm just curious on your side, you know, not just for the entrepreneurs, obviously, but for the people in corporate, um, what are some ways to, to kill the scavenger hunt? So the scavenger hunt is when it takes you 10 times longer to find something. You know, did Ashley text that to me or was that in an email or was that in a Slack message or maybe it was in a sauna? And like when... Every team member just does whatever the hell they want that's easy for them. It creates a scavenger hunt because literally anything can be anywhere. Yeah. So 
you got to lock that down. And that's why that CPR framework is so important. You, you, you need to know, oh, that was an external, you know, Ashley is not on my team. She's an external person. She's a partner. She's a friend. She's a client. Probably that's going to be an email because that's our external communications tool. So it's, it, it, most important is really aligning on the purpose of each tool. So you even know what app to open up. The scavenger hunt is an issue in companies because there's no strategy that people have. And you literally have to look in six different places because it's equal probability to find what you're looking for in any of, you know, half a dozen places. Mm. Um, what you really need to do is get this part of your onboarding. When you hire someone, rather than just putting them right onto a project, properly onboard them, properly mm. teach them how to work at your company where this is part of that training. Every year, maybe you have an annual mandatory sexual harassment training, give them a refresher. You know, it's like, even if it's just like five hours a year that you put towards investing in your, um, in your talent and, and making sure that everyone's on the same page will yield a significant return. So you, this has just got to be part of your training or training is your onboarding and your annual. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it, this needs to be, uh, this needs to be something that is bought in from the top down and it can't be something where it's a do as I say, not as I do. You really need this to be, if you want this to work, I think just like anything, you want to change your core values of your company. You can't have the CEO say, well, I don't want to live by these, but I want you to live by these. So sure. I think any significant transformation, it need, you need to have it at all levels mm -hmm. um, be bought in. I love that. And I know there's probably a lot of questions I haven't thought to ask you. Is there anything that you feel is really important for everyone to know that I haven't asked you about um, coming up for air? Because I also think whether they read the book or not, it's like really realizing that these tools, like you said, they take time to implement these, these systems, but um, we're burnt out. And it, it almost, it takes that investment to save on the back end of your life. Um, and so, yeah, is there anything that you would have wanted me to ask you or wanted to share with everyone? Well, something I'd share. Um, so the book, it's 320 pages long. Uh, Harper Collins did not want me to go any longer than that. <laughs> um, but what we did was we had about another 50 to 100 pages of like bonus content that we stuck up at comeupforair.com. So there's a bunch of free resources you can go and check out if you're interested. Um, and yeah, you know, um, I think that you I think you did a great job, Ashley. I think we covered Thanks. I think we covered it all. If yeah. people want to find me, they could go to nicksonnenberg.com. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I put out a lot of content on this stuff. Yeah, I know you love it. You even look efficient. Like there's something about how clean cut you are where it's like you your look put together, Nick. It's it's really a um impressive feat that you've taken on and I I've, I've been reading the uh reviews of your book and people are saying this is one of the best management time management books that they've ever read. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah, thank you. I'm really proud of you. Really excited. Everyone get the book. If you are burnt out, if you have any influence on your management, let's see if we can get them to implement this. Um thanks again for coming on, Nick. Thanks for having me. Let's hang out in New York soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. 
Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.